0: Welcome to A Ride on the Outside. MMA is full of people on the inside, but what about the ones that watch from beyond? Welcome to the MMA Outsiders with Tom Albano and Zan Bando on the Empty the Bench Podcast Network. Yes, the MMA Outsiders is here. Apologies for the delay, but finally, we've got episode 41. We've had a controversial split decision that we need to talk about. We have more Dana White comments that we need to talk about. We've got a UFC pay-per-view card this weekend, Zan, although it doesn't feel like a pay-per-view card kind of week.
1: No, it certainly does not, and... I think it goes to show that sometimes there's a thing called a dead period in MMA, and even though we don't have a dead period this week, it very much feels like one of those weeks where it's like, it's a lull, there's nothing to really get too excited about, but there's still fights to talk about, so we still have to cover them as we always do on this show. It just happens to be that UFC 289 is not getting as much love as it normally does. Before we get into all of that though, be sure to like and subscribe to the Empty the Bench Podcast Network. And be sure to follow the MMA Outsiders across social media at MMA Outsiders ETB. My name is Zan Bando. You can find my work over at bjpenn.com. I'm a staff writer there as well as part of the Bellator Rankings panel. You will find me sitting cage side next week for Bellator 297 at Windrust Arena in Chicago. And then, of course, to my left is my co-host, Tom Open. And he does great work over at Fanside and MMA as a contributor there. And he will also be starting his role with the PFL beginning tonight with the second half of the PFL season um, and, it, and uh, doing some stuff for the website. So a lot of stuff going on with us in terms of outside of the MMA Outsiders podcast and in our own MMA ventures. So we appreciate all of you guys who tune in every week. And also be sure to check out our live reaction streams that we do every Tuesday, recapping every episode of the ultimate fighter uh, team McGregor versus team Shamler, of course, Tom, even though we have a light week, it still feels like we have, we have a lot to get to, doesn't it? Tom, even though we have a white week...
0: Yeah, absolutely. Still plenty that we have to... Still plenty that we got to get through. Some major headlines that happened this past weekend. Uh, some of the pretty uh, interesting fights. As you mentioned last weekend, it was the first flyweight main event for the UFC. Uh, for men's flyweight in about six or so years. Uh, We had more comments from Dana White. And then there's a couple other little news fronts in terms of fights. And yes, I start with the PFL tonight. I cannot wait. I am so hyped. I am honored to be a part of, you know, a contributor to a major MMA organization, especially one that's been in the news quite a bit as of late. So, we will get to that. We will get to this UFC pay-per-view card in just a little bit. Let's start, Zan. Let's, let's just quickly go over this past weekend. So Amir al-Bazi got the split decision win over Kai Kaikara France. A major, major controversy, however, when it comes to the judging. And Zan, this feels like the third time in about five or six weeks where we've had a fight. And it all ends with some form of controversy in terms of judging. I mean, you think back, Zan, to the Henry Cejudo-Algermaine Sterling fight in which uh, you had one scorecard for one round that was scored in favor of Sterling, which clearly was a more Cejudo round in the eyes of many, that if you had flipped it, Cejudo would have won the Bantamweight Championship on a split decision. And then there was the, uh, there was the fight just a couple of weeks ago with Vassil Lomachenko and uh Devin Haney which Haney won a unanimous decision but then you saw one scorecard where rounds eight through ten were scored in favor of Haney and it was just that was egregious so it should have been not a unanimous decision but a split decision which should have mean you should have run that fight back but I don't know if boxing is going to do that because boxing is going to boxing and now here we are where another controversial uh decision and where one fight was Scored. I mean, one round was scored in the fight in a completely questionable manner. That if it had been scored correctly, would have been flipped to the other guy.
1: Yeah. Um. The one thing you left out of your explanation is the biggest common denominator out of all of these. And to me, the biggest common denominator out of all of the examples you just mentioned are actually two things. Uh, one is is that you had in 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 uh, in one of the three decisions you had the New Jersey State Athletic Commission involved and in the other two you had the Las Vegas um you you had you had NSAC involved and those are two of the oldest athletic commissions in the sport and they both have had their own um their own triumphs and tribulations as well as flaws as of late and those are just three examples of those commissions being on the wrong side of history in now Bossy versus Carter France Remind you, Carl Brandt versus Elbazi, we have to get the order right here, is is another one of those egregious decisions where uh, the judges that were involved, specifically um, Chris Lee in particular, was on the wrong side of history um, in this fight. And we'll get into more of, of why in a little bit, but I just find it interesting how New Jersey and Nevada, again, bad decisions get in their own way that they, that they now have to sit and sulk in, basically.
0: And not just that, Sam. not just that, but also the fact that you mentioned it's Chris Lee, the Loma and Haney fight. That was Dave Moretti. These are not newbie judges who are new to the main event scene and the championship scene. These are judges that we have seen consistently in main events. very highly experienced judges who are getting these kinds of things wrong.
1: Yeah, very highly experienced judges, judges that have been around for a long time, and I really think it's just a matter of a lack of carelessness or not really fully understanding or remembering what the new unified rules of MMA bring. Like, I don't really, I don't really know what it is. Like, are they judging on a criteria that you know we don't we don't know about, or are they like half watching the fight? Like, it's very, it's very interesting. I mean, the most telling stat. Um, for sure, in round four was twenty-seven to five in the significant strike category. The, the most egregious part of this of this decision, in my opinion, is specifically in round four, which to me was the most dominant round for KKF. And without a doubt, I think the round that should have solidified him the victory, given that his significant strike count was twenty-seven to five. I think that statistic alone right there it earned him the decision i mean you want to talk about a dominant round round four was as dominant as you could possibly get in a fight that was pretty close to the first three rounds
0: and that's the thing zan i i thought you know everyone's saying oh the fight wasn't even close i disagree on that comment i thought the fight was close i just don't know about that Fourth round. Now maybe I gotta go back and rewatch it. But on that fourth round, I had it for Car France, and I had Car France winning on a decision. And Zan, you want to talk about how one scorecard imp- made such a major impact? According to Kai Car France on uh, Ariel Helwani's uh, show, Kai Car France supposedly lost a hundred thousand dollars in fighter pay as a result of that one controversial controversially scored round
1: yeah not only that I you know not only is he the biggest loser in this whole equation but the biggest winner might be Brandon Royval. what do you what do you think
0: uh yeah I could see it I think Vall now has the opportunity to quickly get himself Right back into the title contention. I mean, Roy Vall is a very dangerous force at flyweight. I was advocating for him, Zan, when the UFC was starting to rebuild its flyweight division around the time that the 2020s had started. And now here he is ranked as a flyweight, impressed very early on in his debut. I think that was in 2020. And he has consistently been around the top or middle of the flyweight rankings. And now this, like this, it's KKF, as you kind of alluded to, Zan, who's the biggest loser, but Brandon Royval, perhaps the biggest winner, and even Amir Albazi. Now, obviously, saying that is quite much of a duh moment, saying that Albazi is a big winner here, but the point being that, and we kind of alluded to it last week, Zan, this was Albazi's toughest test. This was his highest ranked fighter, and here he is getting this win, you know, very controversial win, but a win is a win.
1: Yeah, a win is a win in MMA for sure, Uh, but one thing I think you have to keep in mind is, you know, now if this fight teaches us anything, or rather taught us anything, it goes back to the old adage of you don't leave it in the hands of the judges because you don't know, and especially at the UFC Apex, this is now another instance of a decision that a lot of people disagreed with, a lot of... MMA media, a lot of MMA fans, a lot of MMA purists, and it's just something that, you know, you have to keep tabs on. But in 2023, Tom, with all of the technology that there is, and instant replay and the, you know, the the added benefit of AI becoming really smart now and stuff, and, like, you know, just having so many resources available, you would think the judges would have a lot easier of a time um, in scoring some of these fights. I mean... And it's going to go back to the idea I proposed about a year ago. I don't know if I've said it on this show yet, but if I haven't, I will. I think all three judges need to sit in a private box, um, glassed enclosed type of space where they're watching the fights on a monitor and they're only, and they're hearing the commentators, but they're away from the fans. They're away from the outside world. They're, they're watching it in a glassed enclosed uh, environment where – You know, they're not seeing the crowd. They're not influenced by the crowd. They're just watching the screens and doing their job and watching the fight for what it is and not worrying about other distractions.
0: Zan, yeah, I've seen that theory out there, floated out there over the last year plus. And you would think, Zan, that's such a simple solution for 2023 standards for judging. You know, that would be such a simple solution just in an isolated box, soundproof. (laughs) But for whatever reason, you just do it. Don't do it. And Zan, this stretches back to what I talked about uh, not too long ago. When we were talking about the Lomachenko Haney controversial decision. That you can, you know, we can say, oh, let's have open scoring. Let's do this. Let's do that. But ultimately, Zan, it's a commission problem. It's not even just. It's not even a promotion problem. It's a commission problem because these are the commissions. You know. Where is it that judges are held responsible? Where is it that these judges are to be, you know, reviewed and such? It it has to take a great amount of uproar for something like that to happen. And even then, sometimes it doesn't happen. So if the commissions are just sitting back here, just saying, oh, I'm just going to relax. Or if they're trying to do the whole, you know, you know, we see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil kind of vibe or they're just, you know, hey, he or she just had a really bad day. Like, as, as long as that keeps going in and then I, I, I if the commissions don't do anything, then this thing is then this problem is still going to go on 2023, 2024, 2025 until God knows when.
1: Yeah I'm gonna make an analogy you obviously don't live in the state of Illinois like I do but a big problem at the high school level is the lack of uh, of referee experience there's so much criticism at the high school level with football and basketball games being decided by the referees and I feel like you're in sort of a high school state almost with MMA where you have all these you have all these benefits you have instant replay for fouls like You know, why not use any of this stuff when the NBA and the NFL and all of these other sports are on the cutting edge of making sure that the games are officiated fairly? Why are we not doing the same thing with fights? Why is open scoring, you know, not being used in other territories? And why is it that Mike Mazzulli, someone in such a high position of power, goes on Aaron Bronstedder's show and literally criticizes the fans for for being judgmental towards the judges when this, quite frankly, is a weekly occurrence. We spend our hard-earned money and time, sometimes several thousands of dollars, depending on who you are, to watch these events. And when you don't have um, proper judging in place, I think from a fan or media member's perspective, you have a right to be upset because this is supposed to be the biggest MMA promotion in the world the UFC, the gold standard, and when you don't have the proper judging in place, it gets you, it gets you frustrated, and and, and, uh, and I'd actually have to disagree to counter-argue his point. There are people who don't want to watch the sport anymore for exactly those reasons. They don't want to see uh, male or female fighters' careers get ruined because of a bunch of judges who, quite frankly, more than likely 80% of them, I would guess, i have never trained in the discipline before. So to me his his convoluted uh not backwards thinking but but his his one sided thinking I think is just old school and I think it makes um the whole operation look bad in my in my in my opinion.
0: And again Zan, you talk about it in the way like uh, I mean I go back to the point whether it's open scoring, whether it's the isolation boxes or anything, or even just holding the judges accountable, all of that has to start with the commission. Everything, and I'm, Zan, I'm going to throw it way back, but in the old podcast I used to do with Nick Morrison before Empty the Bench, and we were talking about, you know, Conor McGregor after he threw the dolly through the bus uh, window, and we were like, and he was talking about, oh, it's too far and something has to be done, And I, and I told it to him then, everything starts with the commission. If the commission isn't going to do anything, then what will? And Mike Mazzuli is just proving through his comments why everyone is just left with sour taste in their mouth when it comes to the commission, whether it's a newer kind of commission for a sport of mixed martial arts like New York, or whether you're a long term essential founding member for the modified, uh, I mean, the modern unified rules of mixed martial arts, say New Jersey or Nevada. 100%
1: 100 percent and and you you probably feel the same way towards me so correct me if I'm wrong but I've never I've never met Mike Maoey I've never spoken to him but I have so many questions as to why you know he still believes in the way that he does because assuming he watches the sport as much as we do like how is he not seeing these issues as like, consistent issues to where if they're not fixed, th- these things are going to keep happening over and over and over again. And and you keep having this convoluted mindset of, oh, judges are going to mess up and oh, judges are going to make mistakes. And, you know, all of you guys being critical towards the judges doesn't help the sport. Uh, I, I'm sorry, but I think every single person who follows MMA or boxing or some sort of combat sport uh, somewhere around the world wants to, wants to see the sport be, as successful as possible and and you don't have the resources in place to make it as successful as possible, you're going to, you're going to get a lot of people upset. And I don't think that's what he's fully coming to grips with. It's 2023. This is in 2003. This is in 2006. We're, we're, we're not trying to get this sport sanctioned in 50 States. It's a well-established sport. Fix the problem. Otherwise you're going to keep losing more people. And to be quite frank, That interview to me just shows that if someone 20 years younger was in his same position or someone who's even my age or quite frankly your age that maybe has, you know, 15 or 16 years of MMA viewing experience, if you get a younger person in there that's seen a lot of these decisions, they might have a different perspective versus a guy who's been around for 40 years and has seen too many fights to where he can't even keep them straight. So you you see where I'm getting at there?
0: Yes, so much. Yeah, and Zan, I, I don't know how to follow that up because you've completely stated the whole point that judging the fact it is still a problem, it, to answer the question, yes, and it's kind of ridiculous that it's still a problem in 2023. Now, that's not to say judging is an exact science. I'm not going to stand here and say, oh, because of the significant strike totals, you know, Kai Car Front's completely won. You know, obviously, there is more to it than that with the scoring system with the whole scoring methods of effective striking. What is effective striking to one person or effective grappling to another person? Uh, I mean, Zen. I'm of the opinion that the 10-point must system is completely outdated and inappropriate for MMA, but I think that's a whole other conversation. But again, everything we're talking about here stems from that one fact that if the commissions don't care and the commissioner acts way like Mike Mazzulli is acting, nothing's gonna get done
1: yeah and we could scream into our we could scream into our into our computers and tablets all day but until we until there's something done about it nothing is going to happen in terms of what is next for both men what do you do with kkf after a crushing defeat like this one in your opinion
0: i mean he fell down to number five in the ufc flyweight rankings but uh, zan i mean you can't penalize the guy like in my opinion he shouldn't lose much stock after a fight like that and it's kind of maybe a little insulting that he fell down to number five credit although granted like we mentioned Brandon Roy Val big win for him technically so if you're Kai kara France I mean I still want to give him some form of some form of top name so I mean the lowest I would go Zan is for KKF somebody like an Alex Perez or a Matt Schnell. Uh, and in terms of what you do for Amir Albazi, I mean if if Vicky is staying at flyweights, I mean he's Al now number three. Do you give him a number one contenders fight with Vicky?
1: Um I mean it doesn't hurt, but still you'd be rewarding you'd be rewarding a guy who who lost the fight, but you're saying in the eyes of the rankings that he technically won, I'm not sure if that's the best approach, in my opinion.
0: I, I just don't know. I just don't know if you can give KKF a big drop in competition. I mean, I, that's why I said I wouldn't go lower than him facing maybe number eight in Matt Schnell, or maybe Manel Kopp, but I don't want to judge on Cop just yet considering uh i don't want to judge on cop just yet considering what else uh we've got going on in this division
1: that that makes perfect sense so then i guess another question that i have for you is um i mean wh- why do you think the ufc has been so nonchalant about this
0: decision in your opinion because then it's the flyweights simple yeah <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's well said. I mean if the flyweights aren't gonna sell tickets, they're not gonna talk about it, right? So I, I totally understand. Uh, nonetheless though, Amir Albasi, if you didn't know what his name was Sell tickets. Wait, Zan, sell tickets. Go ahead. Zan, sell tickets. They were They were at the freaking apex. Well, they did technically sell tickets at sixteen hundred dollars a pop, so There you you go.
0: Dana White and a Dana White. We'll get to Dana White in just a little bit, but I want to focus first. We need to mention uh, Clarissa Shields, uh, who got a one-sided decision win, retained her uh, undisputed middleweight title against uh, Maricela Corneo. And then, I mean, mean, one-sided is just up. was just the only way that you could really describe this fight. It was not even close in the slightest.
1: Um, I think that's the understatement of the year when it comes to this show, my friend. This was a absolute masterclass by the by the Michigan native and Tom. Let me tell you what. I was low key uh, jealous that I, I wasn't at Little Caesars Arena because that looked like the biggest party in Michigan and. some time and Clarissa Shields just put on a master class performance and it was very impressive to see and it's good to see the Midwest get a huge name in a big fight on DAZN and I think it went as as well as DAZN could have hoped it it it, it would have went and it and it did
0: for sure but now it makes me questions and I mean what do you do with Clarissa Shields next well if you're Clarissa Shields are you going to do another boxing fight or are you going to do talks with PFL again or something or who do we get next for a middleweight title challenger? Because, I mean, how many of these one-sided decisions are we going to go through?
1: Um, I think MMA is her next logical step. She wants to stay active. She's basically cleaned out the division. Um, I don't see how that would be a knock on her. I think that's what she should do.
0: For sure. I mean, I know she had a couple of fights with PFL already. Uh, ended up dropping one. Had a comeback performance, uh, comeback victory in another. Uh, I just think, Sand, that with somebody like Clarissa Shields, you know, at the state that we're going in, I mean, we, if we want to promote her like a Katie Taylor or Amanda Serrano, then we, you know, we can't just do these one sided decisions over and over and over again. That, and that's why I liked when she had to, uh, dipped her toes into the MMA water because it was so different and we could promote her on another level.
1: Yeah. And given how much news the PFL has generated in the last several months, I think it would store the pot even more. Like it would make more people start talking about them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's get off of this topic. Zan, let's go from the recaps over to the news elements here. Just a few headlines to go through. Uh, so, Zan, I keep trying. You know, I, I know your take on the whole Francis and Ganu thing, uh, the whole story about him going to PFL and such. And I keep trying and trying to go over to your side and get the understanding of, oh, you know, what Francis is doing. You know, it's a loss for him and, and you know, it's a big risk and such. But then Dana White just continues. To open his mouth and dig a hole even further. Because now, at the post-fight press conference for uh, UFC Vegas 74, here's here's Dana White at the podium.
1: Which I might add, didn't even air live. It aired afterward because all the outlets got it up. So when it started to get out there that he said this, people didn't believe any of the media members that were there. It was absurd.
0: It was absolutely absurd. Where, if you didn't know what he said, there it is right there at the bottom of the screen. Dana White said, how about Tyson Fury, you come over here and you fight John Jones, essentially for the heavyweight championship in the UFC. Zen, we don't do gimmick fights around here. And the only thing I have to say to that, Mr. White, is, uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Ah. Here it is.
1: Exhibit A Randy Couture versus James Tony, UFC 118, August of 2010. You want to talk about gimmick fights? This is another gimmick fight in a very short list that the UFC is attempting to quote unquote make. <laughs> so stupid. Tom, you and I both know how this would go. Yes,
0: and that's my concern, Zan. That is exactly my concern, is that this would turn into another Tony versus Couture, in which John Jones would just use his grappling and it would end up just like Jones versus Gon did back in March. The fight, Zan, the fact that Fury is a boxer and we have seen John Jones with his striking, the fight with these two should be in the boxing ring. And let alone, Zan, the fact that here you are, you are Dana White, and you're staying this after pretty much knocking the PFL for allowing Francis Ngannou to go off and do boxing, after knocking Francis Ngannou and PFL and talking about, you know, oh, a Francis versus Tyson Fury fight and how it might not be possible, and now you want to do it for John Jones now, the John Jones theory thing about, again, we talked about it last week or so ago, Zan, about John Jones and his tenure in NNA versus Francis and is That's one thing. But when you combine that, Zan, also mentioning from two weeks ago, the fact that we had that bloody elbow report come out where the revenue for UFC fighters, uh, the, how much they earned from the shared revenue was basically here. I don't think Dana White is put it, putting himself in a very positive light at this point.
1: No, but Tom, let's also look at it from the other side. Do you think Dana White really cares what like he's putting himself in? The man is worth over $300 million. Do you think at this point in his career that Mr. That Mister Bulkhead even even remotely cares what, what, what he's putting himself into for crying out loud? They're going to air Power slab 3. The night before the UFC 290, he's more excited about that than UFC 290. You, you, you want to talk about gimmicks? The, I and, and you know and you know how, how I feel when I'm joking with him about power slam, you want to talk about more more gimmicks? That's the biggest gimmick of them all, minus a potential Tyson Fury versus John Jones <laughs> fight. Are you kidding me?
0: No, Zan. I'll one up it. You wanna know what a true gimmick fight is? You know what probably is Dana's wet dream of a of a of a uh, gimmick fight? John Jones versus Tyson Fury in Power Slap for the BMF title.
1: Yeah, knowing uh knowing Dana White, he'll probably he'll probably try to make that.
0: <laughs> it's just hypocrisy. Hypocrisy everywhere. But like you said, Zan. He doesn't care. And guess what? That actually furthers my point in the first story about the whole judging thing because he don't care. Commission don't care. Zen, it's just a whole world of IDC.
1: Yeah. And even you could go as far as saying IDGAF, which I won't repeat on this program, but it's the it's the it's the it's the it's the, it's the same difference.
0: Same difference. Absolutely. Dana also making headlines, Zan. Uh, last week for another comment he made during that post-fight conference. Jared Gordon, for the record, for those who don't know, was supposed to fight Jim Miller. Obviously, Jim Miller getting the huge first-round, quick first-round finish on his path to being at UFC 300, which, San, at this rate, you might as well make him, like, the co-main event or the the first-featured bout of the UFC 300 card at the rate he's going. But nonetheless, Jared Gordon was supposed to fight now he was knocked out about six or so weeks before and it was a kind of a quick turnaround and jared gordon making mention of some potential issues going on with his uh with his head potential you know hinting at some potential concussion uh issues or concussion recovery issues and he was basically pulled less than a week's notice and Dana White basically ripped him a new one, which actually sparked Zan a whole bunch of controversy and discussion on the uh, Twitterverse about this quote as well. I think it was Mookie Alexander who pointed out, Zan, we've talked about, hey, you know, ever since 2020, uh, commissions have not released any fight purse information. Well, Zan, around the time since then, have we even gotten any medical information of late because I don't seem to recall that much.
1: The answer to that question with 100% confidence is no.
0: So, at this point, Dana White should just shut his mouth, because it's just, you know, I understand, yes, I mean, Jared Gordon is showing some fault here in that, you know, why are you taking a fight on six weeks' notice after these kinds of issues, but if you're Dana White and the UFC and Sean Shelby and said, "Why are you offering a fight to a guy who was just knocked out six or so weeks ago? Again, this is 2023. We have more scientific information about the uh, head injuries and the effects of this sport and such. Uh, you know, than 2003. Why are you doing this?
1: Because they simply don't care. That's all it is. They don't care."
0: Yeah, I, I guess again, IDC IDJAF. I don't know what much more you can really say about.
1: But I have a different. I have a different take on this. I think Dana is more bitter, and I said this on Twitter after the fight. I think he's more bitter because he's buddies with Jared Gordon, that Jared Gordon didn't get a chance to fight. Do we really? Do we really think that as much as Dana White says he cares about Hilton Fighter safety, he didn't care about a Hilton fighter. He's more—he's more mad, in my opinion, that his buddy didn't fight. That's what—that's what I—that's what, what I think.
0: Yeah, I could see Dana White being very, very full of salt here, and I don't know the way Dana came off this weekend. Zan, all I can say is, oh, brother, this guy stinks.
1: No kidding. All
0: right. I uh, want to also make mention of. Zan, a little bit of news that's actually we can talk about here because it's kind of breaking considering, you know, we're recording now on the Wednesday night airing for the Thursday morning, Zan. So we have some information now about the Bellator Ryzen 2 crossover event. So, Zan, here's where it gets interesting. Bellator's portion of the card will air first and it will air live on Showtime. Because of that, Zan, it's July 30th over in Japan which means it's July 29th over here. So, that means Bellator Rising 2 crossover event will be going head-to-head with UFC 291 and Crawford versus Spence. Uh, all I can say to that, Zan, is, uh, this. Oh, my God!
1: Yeah, no kidding. I don't think that was the smartest business decision. Um, and... Granted, I'm saying this full disclosure as a part of the rankings panel. I'm not trying to lose my, a position or anything. I'm just being genuinely honest. I do not think this was the smartest decision. Unless this was the only uh, thing Showtime was allowed to do.
0: Well, here's my thing, Zan. I think if you say that, it's a little hypocritical considering last week we were just talking about how the uh, whole idea that um, we were ripping on them for Bellator... Ryzen crossover one in which they didn't air it live they aired it on tape delay and we said that basically bellator had to basically cut the crap on that unfortunately they picked they managed to pick a weekend that's going to be super busy now i should also make mention before we get more into this conversation the rising portion of the card will not air on showtime showtime will only show the bellator portion so that means after aj mckee versus patricky pitbull If you want to see the Ryzen portion of the car that features Juan Archuleta and others, you'll have to watch it in the normal way that you would watch a Ryzen show.
1: Right, which is through internet pay-per-view.
0: So, I mean, you got to give Bellator some credit, though, that they did at least listen to the fans and we get to see some of this live.
1: Uh, So, that means, so, Tom, that leads me to my next question. What will you watch on Saturday, July 29th?
0: Uh, is it possible to have three screens going?
1: (laughs) I mean, you could. It's a matter of, like, your setup. That's what I would think.
0: Uh, I gotta try, I'm gonna try to find a way to keep track of all three cards going at once. Because this is a weekend, Zan, that you just, you you can't miss out. I, I think, Zan, July 29th through 30th is just, it's fight heaven.
1: Yeah, it's fight heaven as ever, and no matter if you go to Crawford Spence, UFC 291, or somehow the Bellator card, you'll get your money's worth.
0: For sure, and Zan, that's not the only thing. On October tw- on, I mean on July 29th, Zan, Octagon will have Octagon 45, and that will feature, Zan, the bout between your boy Lu and Mate Senikaze. For the undisputed featherweight title. Interim champ versus the full-on champ for the undisputed title, Zan. So, this is a fight we've long been waiting for. You interviewed LeSan for this fight originally before it ended up getting postponed. Supposedly due to an injury to Monte. And now, here we are. Zan, you better, uh, you better have some popcorn ready. Because I see you basically just strapping in and watching combat sports all day. Which I might be in that same boat with you.
1: Oh, I'm very much looking forward to it. It's just a matter of uh, no hints or secrets revealed yet. It's just a matter of what event I will be at this weekend or will do my absolute best to be at this weekend to make it even a little bit more special. But thankfully, Keita versus Santa, Keith say we'll air in the afternoon, so I will be just fine.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right, San, Let's get into the big one. And it feels disappointing that there's a UFC card this weekend you know it's also the end of the uh, the end of the school year work school year for me and you know this is supposed to be a UFC card to like celebrate the end of that and it's just ah, there's only one fight that I'm looking forward to really on this card
1: yeah and it's the end of the quarter for graduate um, for me with graduate school and it's also my graduation ceremony this weekend, and like you just said, there's only one fight that we can really look forward to on the combat sports calendar, and that is Charles Oliveira versus Benil Dariush, which is the co-main event of UFC 289 in
0: Vancouver. Yes, but first we got to get to the main event, San Amanda Nunes versus Irene Aldana, Women's bantamweight Championship on the line. Zan, my question to you quite simply is... I know Juliana Pena proved that Amanda Nunes can be beaten, but the way the second fight went, Zan, I consider that more of a, you know, one-time upset. So, Zan, I ask you, how bad is Amanda Nunes going to bloody up Irene Aldana?
1: I think it's going to be pretty bad, and I think, like I alluded to on the MMA Power Hour Twitter spaces that aired now two days ago, um, or, or less than two days ago, I think Nunes finishes her in the fourth round with a weight TKO stoppage or submission. I think Aldana hangs in there. But she gasses weight and loses the fight.
0: Yeah absolutely agree with you Zan. I think Aldana could hang in there for some time. But around late third round. Early fourth round. I see this one being done. Zan if somehow this one goes to the judges. I see this worse than than her title defense. Almost three years ago to this very day. When she defended the featherweight championship, Zan, in which, Zan, I say that the scorecards for Nunez-Aldana, if this goes the distance, will read 50-43, and Zan, I even think there's a shot of a 50-42. This one, no disrespect to Aldana, Aldana absolutely talented, but will not be even close.
1: Agreed, I can very well see a 50-42, I could even see a 50-44, so you you never know.
0: Yeah. This is the fight, and That it's just a matter of you know, wanting to see Nunez and how she beats up another challenger and how badly she does at this point.
1: So, do you think, Tom, that if Nunez wins, Nunez versus Pena, UFC 300 is the fight to make?
0: In the words of In the words of Booker T, tell me you didn't just say that. I sure did. Mm-hmm. How about we actually do something with that featherweight championship for once?
1: I know, I know. It it, it may, by the time the UFC featherweight title is defended, I will somehow, some way, be a UFC rankings panelist. Somehow, some way.
0: Rankings panelists like those even exist.
1: <laughs> no kidding! Shout shout out to Jedi Goodman for that. <laughs>
0: All right, let's talk about Zan now. The the real main event of this evening, the people's main event, Charles Oliveira versus Benil Dariuch.
1: I mean, let's face it. You have a former lightweight champion versus a rising contender that's taken over the division by storm in the last three years. This is one of those fights where there's no way it's going to be boring. There's no way it's going the distance. And it's a win, and you get a title shot scenario, in my opinion. There's no way Oliveira loses. Like He's just too hungry. I think he dominates Darius, and I think he finishes him in, in the mid-second round.
0: This is going to be quite the comeback fight for Oliveira after losing his championship on the scales and then losing to Islam Magashev. And Zan, I 100% agree with you, because they've now booked Boye Gaethje 2, and they've booked Chandler against Conor McGregor, which... Uh, Let let, let me be clear, they booked him against Conor McGregor. We still, you know, it's June 7th, and we still have no true official information. You know, maybe it's going to be that December 16th card in Las Vegas now, supposedly. But, I mean, it's just an absolute frustration at this point with that fight. But yes, yes, it seems like based on on those factors considered, it seems like the winner of this fight between Oliveira and Dariush is probably going to meet uh, Islam Makhachev in the main event of the UFC pay-per-view in October in Abu Dhabi. Uh, that being said, I mean, I think Oliveira, Zan, I think this one could actually be a pretty pure grappling kind of, I should actually I shouldn't say pure grappling, but I, I could see Zan where we've got quite a few grappling exchanges In which it's going to be a matter of, Zan, who's going to get the first takedown early. I I think that's what ultimately it's going to come down to with each round. Who's going to be the first to get their opponent to the ground? And if you're Charles Oliveira and you get taken down, how quickly can you get back up? How quickly can you lock on one of those submissions like you did triangle choke Kevin Lee? Uh, I'm going to lean with you, Zan. I am going to say Charles Oliveira. But if he loses to Benil Dariush, it's not the worst kind of loss, but then that means losing your title on the scales and then losing back to back fights. That's not gonna be a good look for Oliveira.
1: Yeah, and I actually think the loser of this fight is gonna fight the loser, McGregor Chandler, presuming it happens. That's what I that's what I think.
0: I could very well see that. I think that's I think that's perfect. All right. The rest of this card, Zan. Rest of this card. I, I need a sound effect for it. Hold on a minute. Uh. Hmm. Oh, I got it. the failure. I wait. I got another one. No
1: yeah, disrespect
0: to the it. other fighters. There, just...
1: flush it down the toilet. One hundred
0: percent. I mean, say this. Is the fight before the, before the co-main event, Mike Mallet versus Adam Fugit?
1: Yeah, Mike Mallet doesn't win this fight in front of his hometown. There's going to be a lot of angry people that night. Which <laughs> let's, let's just say that.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm going to go Mike Mike Mallet at this point. Uh, just because, like you said, it's a hometown guy, and if he doesn't win... Uh, uh, I feel bad, Zan. I feel really bad for this next fight because Danny Gay, Danny Gay, you know, is a lot better than uh, not saying a lot better than Nate Lever, but he deserves better than being stuck on being stuck on this kind of card.
1: Oh, for sure, he should have been on International Fight Week, and he shouldn't be fighting guys that are in Nate Landworth's caliber, considering who he was just fighting six months ago.
0: Yeah, so. Uh, this one, to me, Zan, is clear Ige. Ige by mid-to-late finish or unanimous decision. Agreed. And then, opening the card, Zan, it's Canada's Zone. Marc-Andre Barriot, the former TKO champion, taking on the Alabama, the Alabama football, former Alabama football uh, national champion. Zan, I only ever get to bring the sound effect out when he fights it's Eric, yeah, boy. Yeah, my boy, Anders.
1: Yeah, Eric Anders going into enemy territory. How do you think that fight goes?
0: As you kind of alluded to, if not, you know, I like Eric Anders. I want to lean to him, but this, I feel like the UFC is trying to set it up for a Canadian win. Agreed. And then, Zan, are there any notable? prelim bouts that catch your eye.
1: Not really, but in me saying that, the prelims will probably be great because, of course, on cards like this, they always are when you least expect it.
0: I know. I mean, Nasruddin Imavov versus Chris Curtis. I mean, poor, poor Chris Curtis. How is it that Chris Curtis is the headline prelim fight? and not on the main card, considering that, like we just said, the kind of fights that are on the main card. I feel terrible for this man.
1: Oh, as as you should. As you should.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I just mean, I mean, other than that, Zan, I mean the fight before it, Miranda Maverick, because I like her, and I think her versus Jasmine uh, Jessica Vicious is gonna be a pretty cool fight to watch. Everything else, Ooh. blah.
1: Yeah, very, very mad card. It's definitely for the hardcores, let's say
0: that. Yeah, it, it is definitely. Uh, I think that's the nicest way to put it, Zan. It is one for the hardcores. But, Zan, if you want something else to watch, uh, tonight on ESPN and ESPN+, Plus, PFL4. Zan, I am hyped as all hell. And I'm not just saying that because I am now affiliated with the PFL. I also <laughs> say that, Sam, because it is the second half of the PFL season. And hopefully, hopefully, uh, you know, the, the kind of momentum we ended the first half on, because that PFL three card was all the bangers. Hopefully that momentum flies into here with uh, with the fourth card. It is, Sam, the second regular season fight for the, featherweights and light and light heavyweights, it is the last chance for these guys to get into the playoffs. Your main event, Brandon Lognane, taking on Jesus Pinedo.
1: Yeah, I mean, you got to take the favorite here in Lognane. He's trying to be the repeat champion. But as you know, PFL upsets, they tend to happen every so often. Jesus has the power to do it. But I just think Brandon Lognane is going to be a step ahead of Jesus Pinedo the entire card, and he will win a decision um, in the in the main event of PFL 4, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, for sure. Obviously, Zen. Obviously, uh, Brendan Lognane is looking to have a repeat performance, be a repeat champion, uh, get another million dollars, five, one five straight 14 career knockouts. Uh, he would become just the fifth to win back-to-back championships. Uh Pinedo is, I don't want to say a knockout, but 11 knockouts and 20 career victories. He's got most of his wins by knockout. Uh, Playoff scenarios. Brendan, if Brendan Lognane wins this fight anyway, whether it's first round knockout, third round submission, split decision, no matter what, he's in the playoffs. It's win and you're in for Lognane. For Pinedo, it's win or go home. Just to get it out there. Those are the playoff scenarios for these two. And, yeah, I see Log Names, Zan. I mean, listen to his last five, by the way, because I mentioned the last five. Ryoji Kudo, Igo Husa, Chris Wade, Bubba Jenkins, Marlon Morais. I know Marlon Marais has had quite the skid, but him, Bubba Jenkins, Chris Wade, I think that's quite, you know, quite the path that he had to the 2022 championship and off to a pretty damn good start for his 2023 regular season. sand if he handled all of them, I think he handles Pinedo, and I see probably about second or third round finish.
1: Yeah, I could I could see that as well, and Pinedo is just going to have to hope that he catches something, because I think that's the only way he wins the fight.
0: Yeah, Pinedo, if for Pinedo to win, for Pinedo to win, he's got to find the power, and he's got to land the shot on the button. Without a doubt. Uh, Just a couple other fights here to note, Zan. We got Movlied Kaibalev, the 2021 PFL featherweight champion, taking on Tyler Diamond. Zan, I like Tyler Diamond. He's a very exciting fighter. And you've got him taking on a former PFL champ. This one should be a good co-main.
1: For sure. Don't you agree with me that this is Tyler Diamond's last chance to show that he can be a superstar in this sport, though, in so many ways?
0: I mean, sort of, uh, Zan, this, he didn't compete in the first stretch of the season, so, you know, hes it's the, his first time he's fighting, so he's got to have some form of stoppage win. I will say, Zan, for Tyler Diamond, he does need some form of stoppage, I think, to further, you know, c- continue the kind of hype that he had been going in with. If you're a model obviously... You know, you want to fight to keep your season alive. And in order to do that, Zan, he clinches a playoff spot. The only thing he can't do is he can't go to the judges. He gets any sort of stoppage, he's in.
1: Very interesting. So you got so, two guys
0: who are looking for a finish, Zan, which would, make for a, for, which would make for a very exciting kind of fight.
1: Very interesting for sure. So it's winning win or in, except it goes to a decision. And it, okay.
0: that being said, Zan, I feel like that, feel like that the uh, wrestling, I mean, it's going to be a wrestling battle, but I think Kaibulev's wrestling is going to be a little too much for Diamond. I'm going to go Kaibulev, Zan, but I, I think it goes to a decision at that point. I think you're going to have two guys who are going to be so desperate for submission, are they basically going to screw each other up?
1: This is going to sound bold, but I think Diamond gets a stoppage upset.
0: If that happens, Zan, that could be a nominee for upset of the season.
1: Well said. Or even MMA upset of the year. You never know.
0: Potentially that as well. And then, Zan, light heavyweight feature bout, the final light, light heavyweight bout of the evening. It's going to feature a former finalist, I think a 2021 finalist, and Martin Hamlet taking on uh, Sam Kay. Uh, Sam Kay, uh, last season, fought, a he- fought as a heavyweight. He has now dropped down to light heavyweight. Let me find the playoff scenario. So Martin Hamlet got a first-round finish in his first fight. And, uh, he's just going to be like Brendan Lognane. Any kind of win, decision, or finish. And Martin Ham- Martin Hamlet will go into the, uh, into the playoffs. And for Sam Kay... It is win or go home to stay alive in the playoff race. Uh, light heavyweight, by the way, one of the uh, one of the divisions that got quite a big shakeup. You could argue, probably got the biggest kind of shakeup when it came to uh, the suspensions of late. For sure, there's like only three guys who have, who have points.
1: For sure, um, you got to give um, you got to give Martin Hamlet. His due, and I think he gets a win. I think he wins the late first, early second round.
0: Yeah, if, if you're Sam Kay, this is one of those fights, Zan, where I think Kay has got to... I, I, I'm going to agree with you. I think Martin Hamlet, you got to give him his credit. And this is a... I think, Zan, considering those suspensions, this is going to be his biggest opportunity to get back to the championship. I think this is a big opportunity, Zan, for him and Joshua Silvera to basically... Uh, make their mark with the pfl and get to the championship fight that being said uh that being said if you are sam k you gotta maybe use your wrestling that you're grappling i mean and basically you gotta out grapple hamlet to a decision i think that's k's best way to get the uh best way to get you know best way to get into stay alive at this point
1: yeah, I don't think uh, I don't. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think he'll be able to do that. Unfortunately, I think Hamley controls the entire
0: fight. I could see that. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of uh, the MMA Outsiders, episode forty-one. Make sure you hit that like button, subscribe, hit the notification bell so you get notified of everything here at the Empty The Bench Network from our show, the MMA Outsiders, our special live streams that we do every week for the Ultimate Fighter season thirty-one, Team McGregor versus Team Chandler, so much more. Follow us across social media at MMA Outsiders ETB, as well as the network at ETB Network. Uh, if you are watching us on YouTube, there is a way you can, you don't have to see Xan and I's ugly mugs. You can just go uh go to ACAST, the audio only pl- audio-only platform, Spotify, uh, <laughs> Apple, so much more, to get the audio feed. If you are listening on the audio feed, make sure to check out the YouTube feed at youtubecom ETB network. And don't forget to go to etvpodcast.com for more information on the Anthony Adventure Network and blogs from the hosts and so much more. That is Sam Bando. Once again, he is a staff writer at BJPenn.com, Bellator Rankings Committee member. He is my buddy and co-host on this show. Give him a follow over at Bando 99 I am Tom Albano. Find my work at Band-Sided MMA. I will be with you on the PFL website for all the latest that on the action that goes down tonight. And you can follow me at ThomasJ Albano, that will do it for us on episode forty-one of the MMA Outsiders. Before we go, just want to give a quick shout out and I want to give some life advice to everybody as we enter the June months. Be Joe Piper, and secondly, I want to uh, also say, you know, just give my best wishes to everybody in my state of New, my home state of New York, and everybody around the Northeast. Everywhere, stay safe, and you know, praying for all the safety in the world as a result of the wildfires and the after effects uh, coming from, coming from Quebec. So that just about is going to do it. Zan, anything you want to add?
1: Yeah, very, uh, very well said. And um, I also wanted to just shout it really quick. uh, um, Any of the, um, any of the MMA media members that are in the space that are planning to attend uh, bellator 297 um a week from tomorrow i'm looking forward to seeing all of you we'll have more on that um in the coming days as episode 42 uh commences it if you will but like like thomas said prayers to everyone um out east and and of course everyone who has been affected by the wildfires we hope you are safe or get to safety as quickly as possible uh with that being said thank you again for spending your morning with us we will be back with more mma content Next week, as we will recap UFC 289, preview the Bellator card, and all of the other happenings that take place in and around combat sports. We will see you guys then. Uh, I'm Zan, he's Tom, and we will see you guys next week. Thank you again for listening.
0: Take care, everyone.